You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. It's another Wednesday night with your boys here across the Wrestling Inc. channels, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, wherever you may be enjoying. We appreciate you enjoying us here on another Wednesday night post-AEW Dynamite podcast. I am Justin Labar alongside Alfred Kunoa. Follow him at This Is Nasty, at Justin Labar for me. Thanks to all of you that have been sitting in the chat room. I know doing a live chat uh, while you're watching Dynamite. Now you can live chat with Alfred and I as we got uh, Dynamite to talk about, Alfred. We got some news headlines to talk about. We got two wonderful sponsors to give some love to. But first, just common courtesy. How you doing tonight? Doing great, Justin. It's great to be here. It's good to have another sponsor because we are becoming the hottest podcast in all of wrestling. And everybody wants to be a part of it to see what the big deal is about. So that's going to be fun. But uh, good to be here back with you, Justin. How are you doing? I'm great, man. As you said, uh, you know, the sponsor, yeah, the the, the podcast, the, the the this is nasty Labar duo. It's getting hot, um, almost as much heat as CM Punk in Long Island. But we'll get there because <laughs> we'll there's some uh, fun stuff to talk about uh, the way Dynamite kicks off. Uh, but before we uh, get into Dynamite, we will take a look at some of the news headlines. And again, of course, WrestlingInc.com has all of these and more in full. Uh, we'll start with some sad news, uh, unfortunately, but it is uh, you know the most timely. Uh, and that is uh, what happened today is we found out that WWE Hall of Famer Blackjack Jack Lanza uh, passed away at the age of 86. Uh, Jack Lanza, a, a longtime fixture in the wrestling business, debuted in the 60s. Uh, you know, worked all the way until the mid-80s. He you know, got, got around uh, working, of course, uh, with runs in WWE, AWA, Mid-Atlantic Championship, uh, NWA, uh, of course, uh, tag team along with blackjack mulligan um you know a lot of history there go go do your uh go do your due diligence if you're a younger fan it's not familiar with the blackjacks uh and then alfred a lot of the the elder of the last generation that i think i i think of like the matt hardys and such uh guys who came up into WWE, you know especially in the 90s uh, Noam best as him being a road agent. He was an agent backstage who was very influential and in kind of helping uh, guys put together matches, just kind of k- keeping their head on straight on the road, learning how to do that life. So uh, very influential to, for a whole different reason, to the wrestling business. So, uh, of course, always very sad when, when we see uh, legends like him uh, pass on. But uh, rest in peace to uh, Blackjack Lanza and his family. Yeah, he's a very important fabric in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, Of course, in WWE for his days as an agent, which I don't think enough people understand how important he was to that whole infrastructure. I think if you see a lot of these shoot interviews, which, you know, I watched the RF shoot interviews or whatnot, you do hear stories about them dealing with Jack Lanza, and then you really get a feel for how important he is in uh, that infrastructure. And then also as a legitimate Hall of Fame tag team competitor with the Blackjacks, which are one of the greatest tag teams of all time, alongside Blackjack Mulligan, somebody 
who went into the WWE Hall of Fame, which, you know, some people will thumb their nose because the WWE Hall of Fame does have a lot of people in it. Uh, but he is a legit Hall of Famer in terms of a Hall of Fame candidate, a tag team competitor who won everywhere he went, NWA, all kinds of places. So uh, this is a huge loss for, for the wrestling community. And it's uh, very sad that he's passed away. Yeah, I mean, and let's not look. I mean, there is an actual pro wrestling Hall of Fame, a real physical Hall of Fame. And then, yeah, of course, there's WWE's Hall of Fame. And yeah, while WWE's Hall of Fame doesn't have an official criteria, uh, you know, no, nobody nobody who knows anything had any cast any doubt when right. he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame of him being worthy. So uh, it's just to squash that for any ignorant uh, viewer that, that's watching or listening going, oh, WWE Hall of Famer. Ha, ha, ha. So thanks for bringing that one up, Alfred. Um, What's not Hall of Fame worthy is some of these raw uh, viewership numbers as of late. Raw uh, this past Monday drew an average of 1.6 million. That accord, uh, that uh, according to Nielsen uh, via Showbuzz Daily, and that 1.6 million is down 4% from the 1.679 million the week prior. Uh, the hours broke down as follows: um, 1.669 on the first hour, second hour 1.636 million, and the final hour dipping down to 1.494. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of the same story when we, you know, raw always sees a drop, especially a significant drop in the third hour, which is not what you want when you're in theory are loading up a main event for your third hour. Uh, the 18 to 49 key demo 0.35. This is down 23% from the week prior. Uh, and this is one of the worst that they've done in that, uh, all, all important 18 to 49 key demo that's talked about. Uh, throughout 2021 so Alfred are you surprised that, it, that that this past week did a dip compared to the week prior what, what was your just overall raw take I'm kind of surprised that it's fallen this much but I'm not surprised with this concept that we do see time and again in that now I think it's safe to say that the Vince McMahon balance has evaporated this is what we see when they kind of panic and they bring Vince McMahon on television to pop a rating that worked fantastically for the Cleopatra's egg payoff and I actually did think they were kind of clever in taking that Cleopatra's egg and making it a who done it and they they did well in goosing the rating that way but then with every passing week it evaporated and now it's kind of going even further down and i think it's weird that they do still have vince on tv every week but they're not really promoting him as being on tv he is a regular television character but you think that they would be trying harder to get more out of him especially because he's in this position where he's supposed to be giving the rub to austin theory so um doing more with that and explaining how Vince is involved with him could possibly help them, but that's uh, not good. I know the holiday season is going to come with a lot more sluggish ratings and whatnot. People maybe not watching TV as they regularly do as they spend time with their family, but I don't think it's that much of an excuse this early in December. And also because in the past, the holiday season was good to WWE, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas. Uh, if WWE has something that people want to watch, they'll find it. Yeah, it'll be real interesting to see, you know, with them doing a New Year's Day uh, pay-per-view you know, having having the final go home shows, you know, laced through these holidays, I, this would be really interesting. They've never they've never done a New Year's Day pay per view that I can ever recall. So, yeah, uh, with bad viewer with lower viewership already, uh, be interesting to see. A great point about the Vince uh, factor not having the the effect that it it used to once upon a time. Um, and and yeah, you know, it's and I watch, I look at Raw. I made it the joke about how it dips so much in the third hour, but it's kind of like, and maybe maybe this is maybe this is what they should be doing. I don't know. Obviously, we all know three hours is too long, but that's not going anywhere, at least not for the foreseeable future. It's almost like they're kind of building, they're, they're formatting Raw to some extent, like they used to do a Saturday night's main event. On the thought of, we know we're not going to get uh, the, 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 that, that whole audience to stick with us to the end because it's that late. So let's start with a Big E 
cage match. Let's start off hot. Let's put some main event material up front. And I don't want to say the third hour is a throwaway, but it's like, you know, I don't know. It's almost like they, they, they just kind of accepting, like, unless it's a super, super special show where you're pulling out the Austins and all the nostalgia acts, the third hour is just going to going to lose viewership. So why put out what's supposed to be the more important stuff in that final hour when you know a portion of the audience is going to is going to miss it? So that's a good point. Great point. Yeah, so we'll see how they keep moving. Uh, but uh, Monday Night Raw uh, dips from the uh, from the from the week prior, and finally uh, a little bit of your gossip <laughs> news, a little bit of your uh, love four one one report here in the wrestling world. Uh, it's reported that Andrade El Idolo and Charlotte Flair are reportedly still together and happy. Uh, it was a, a report had been circulating uh, over the last week or two. Alfred, I don't know if you saw this. There was, there was a, a rumor that I think I think BodySlam.net had reported um, that that Flair and Andrade were, were not together, and I think you know they like followed each other from socials, and there was there's all this big speculation that was being put out in in, in, a, in a I'll air quote this uh, for those of you that are on the audio version here uh, a report that they were done, uh, but in fact Ra, our own Raj Geary here at WrestleMania is saying that is that they are still very much together, and then kind of on top of that, uh, Andrade even had a tweet. Kind of looked like he was blasting uh, the, the the report. He had just tweeted a picture of himself. Didn't actually tag Charlotte, but he said "Hola, good morning, mommy," uh, which I, hashtag mommy, which I guess he commonly does when he's uh, tweeting to and about Charlotte. And then he says "f fake news." Um, so, just to put that to rest for anybody wondering uh, what the deal is there, it seems like they are uh, very much still happily together while on competitive lines. So mommy and poppy are back together because love conquers all justin lavar there you go love conquers all uh love conquers all uh of course we love our wonderful sponsors and one of our great sponsors we have here tonight alfred is keeps yes keeps we're talking about love i love my hair justin lavar but at the same time i am in my 30s and this is a time where uh male pattern baldness can be prominent in fact two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35 and more than 50 million men in the United States suffer from male pattern baldness. In fact, there are two, count them, two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss. And one of them is our great sponsor here at Keeps. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair, convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. And you don't even have to leave your home. It's low cost. Treatments start at just $10 per month, just $10 per month and keeps offers generic versions as well. It's discreet packaging, proven results, keeps has more five star reviews than any of its competitors. You know how much wrestling fans love these five stars? Nobody has more five star reviews than keeps in terms of this industry. And prevention is key. Treatments can take up to four to six months to see results. So act very fast. Uh, if you're ready to take action to prevent hair loss, you need to go to keeps.com. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash ink to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash ink to get your first month for free. Get that wrestling ink hookup. Uh, keeps getting that hair. Uh, you know, who knows? You know, Justin, you could have some hair like uh, Brian Danielson's growing that haircut where he shaved the sides. Maybe you can do something like that with a uh, Keeps subscription. There is hope. There is hope. Hell yeah. <laughs> there is hope. Shout out to Keeps. Shout out to Keeps. Yes, big thanks to Keeps. Uh, glad they've uh, jumped on here uh, and support the podcast. Wonderful, wonderful group here. we got a great, great fan base. Uh, some regular that like to be in the chat. Some that uh, <clears throat> we, we, we that are just 
you know, consume us however they do, which again, I always say every single week, tweet us, let us know. How are you listening? How are we keeping your week moving along? And uh, how are you listening? Where are you listening? What do you like? Uh, for things you don't like, just keep it to yourself. Uh, we just want to hear what you like. What you like? What you like about this dynamite? I got a feeling that what we're going to talk about first has got to be a up there with everybody's uh, highlights of the night. They uh, start off hot as they are in Long Island for dynamite, and we hear the local boys' music. MJF is going to start us off, except it's CM Punk. CM Punk trolling the Long Island audience as he comes out to the stage, and then that MJF music. Uh, fades out and, and then Punk walks to the ring with a chorus of boos. Well, actually, it's more of a, a, a fighting crowd. A lot of boos. More boos than we've heard for a CM Punk in an arena and a very pro wrestling arena, at least, in a very, very long time. Uh, that's th- Those boos are fighting with uh, some CM Punk chants that are trying to break through, but it's a very contentious audience. And, you know, Alfred Punk almost looked a little surprised. I'll, I'll go through some of the highlights of what he had to say, but it was still a good promo. It was a very good, very entertaining promo, and he handled himself well. He, obviously, he knows how to ad lib, but he did kind of keep going in circles a few times, back to some, back to the well for some some punch shots, mainly at the Islanders. You know, he's a big hockey guy. It, it, it felt like he was doing it. Just he was trying to just find more. He didn't have any more material. It's kind of like I don't think he expected to be that full blown a heel. I think he thought MJF is such a piece of shit uh, bad guy and gets so much heat every other night. I don't think he actually thought that the hometown crowd was going to embrace MJF as strong as they did. Did you feel that too? Yeah, I did feel a disconnect for sure. And I felt like there was a little confusion even within the fans. Like you mentioned, there were CM Punk chants trying to break through. I felt like this crowd wanted to cheer MJF because he's on island. But that didn't necessarily mean that they hated CM Punk. And I felt like Punk had to really work to get them to boo him. And I did feel like he was going in circles, not only saying the things about the, the island. The poor Islanders got a lot of uh, uh, pot shots tonight. Not only that, but also he kept saying that MJF is your guy. It's like he was almost goading them into uh, cheering for MJF. But, you know, this is Phil working out his heel material from when he does go full-blown heel. And we continue to see this in AEW, that when it comes to being a babyface or a heel, it's not a static thing. We see micro heels all the time, I feel like. I feel like Brian Danielson will be a babyface after this feud with Hangman Adam Page. And then, of course, next week, CM Punk's probably going to go back to being a babyface. But this is very interesting seeing CM Punk just like 2010 full-blown heel. Uh, very interesting to see in, in front of this crowd. Well, and both Punk and Brian Danielson both did enter via the babyface tunnel. So yeah. for whatever that's worth, they are they still get to dress in the babyface locker room. <laughs> um, yeah, so Punk comes out. So he immediately goes to the Islander shot, which, which is fine because, I mean, like, I figured you know, he's a hockey guy. You're in Long Island. It's a brand-new building that the Islanders play in. The Islanders are having major problems right now for a team that's supposed to be, you know, potential Stanley Cup contenders, and they don't look like it right now. So he takes a shot at them because that gets the crowd riled up. Um you know, he says he wants to be next for the title. Notes how Danielson and Hangman Page have their match next week of winners coming. He wants to be next, but of course he needs to settle this thing with MJF. But MJF just just won't do it, just won't fight him, just keeps avoiding him. Uh, he also makes a note about how MJF had, you know, talked smack on his dog Larry. And he says Larry has more balls than MJF and Larry's neutered. <laughs> so, yeah, that line uh, queued up. Um. And you know he and he and again he went back to the Islanders a couple more times and he, and he makes reference to Chicago being better. At one point, I don't think Punk could hear it. I think it was the one chant that he said he couldn't understand. But I think I, if I caught it just before it died down, the New York crowd was chanting uh, some version of that. Their pizza's better, or f Chicago pizza, or oh. something. And, yeah, I couldn't understand uh, it either. 
Yeah, so a, a very entertaining um, monologue. There is no interruption by MJF. There's no MJF appearance yet. Uh, this is just Punk with the fans, and then he just kind of seemed, as you said, he's goading the fans, kind of getting angered up, and then even to the point of when he leaves, uh, you know, he's he's you know taunting the fans, and and yeah, a very, you know, we haven't seen this Punk since, like you said, like. 2010 like nexus yeah. <laughs> or early 2011 or whatever year it would have been um so yeah this was uh this was a, a real interesting situation here uh, obviously it's just probably a one night only thing you know they are in um you know they're in the i think the dallas suburbs next week and i'm sure it'll be back to normal with punk being the resounding baby face but uh, a hell of a way to start not what i expected to see in the first opening 10 minutes here of dynamite but very entertaining by punk and uh it was again cool to hear that tone out of him yeah, yeah, it was definitely cool. And I'm sure a lot of these people have been saying that they're tired of happy to be here, Punk. This was kind of a treat for them because he did not hold back in terms of being a full-blown heel. And I thought he looked like he was having a lot of fun doing it. Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Absolutely, absolutely. Um... So then we go to break and then we come back and then and, and we come back and we get kind of like this, uh, you know, this, this movie trailer kind of feel profiling MJF who rides, you know, a, you know, souped up sports car to the high school football field. He's got the Letterman jacket and the voiceovers giving us all the stats of, you know, middle linebacker, you know, record holder for tackles in a male singing group called the Acafellas and all just all of these MJF fun facts of Max Friedman in high school. Um, and then we cut to the live arena. Now we hear his music again, and now it's the real MJF. And he's coming out, Letterman jacket and all, Alfred, and uh, he goes to the ring where he is the 12th and final person to enter the ring for this uh, Dynamite Battle Royal. Uh, I thought the formatting of this was really nice. I thought it was really good to have the other 11 make their entrances on commercial um, just so you could come back and profile and see uh, MJF come out because I thought this, I mean, he, you know, he was just, he, he came out, you know, an ode to Chris Jericho and WCW. He's got yeah. he's up against the barricade. You know, he's mocking Punk with the 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 the, the hand roll. Uh, just really the one time that MJF gets to baby face it up. He's he's uh, he's 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 create a character uh, right here uh, doing his entrance. You know, it's funny as you say an ode to Chris Jericho and WCW. It's also an ode to Chris Jericho in 2010 when he made that comeback and he was just kind of hamming it up as a babyface, but really he was going to be a heel yeah. and he was smiling and pretending like he was a babyface. That's what I thought of as well. In addition to the classic Chris, so he's like paid homage to Chris Jericho twice uh, during that entrance uh, before going back to being MJF. Uh, but I thought this was great. I-, I loved that hometown type entrance because it simultaneously made him a babyface to this crowd with all those local references and all that stuff and like oh you should see how many chicks he got bro like this crowd loved that but also making him a heel to the rest of the world like if you're watching this and you're not from long island you're thinking like god what a douche like this guy is the worst but he really they really endeared themselves to long island so it was a very very uh, tricky feat that they accomplished i thought and this is a lot of fun to watch it was yeah i mean oh yeah he, he he definitely i mean absolutely this he's already a great wrestling heel but yeah they definitely pulled pulled a new layer of personal of like everybody's like all right, I know a douche like this. I went to high school with that I didn't like. You know, you know he's, he's a he's the captain of everything. He's Mister Whatever. He knows he's better. He thinks he's better than everybody and doesn't doesn't care who he says it to. Yeah, this definitely had um, yeah, an interesting dynamic to it. Uh, so before we get into the battle royal here, uh, Jackson Callens four ninety nine felt like sending Raj some super chat money. <laughs> Hope you all are well. 
Much love, as always. Well, four ninety nine, Jax. That's uh, you know, it's a maybe a, a cocktail for Raj on the on the eighteen. Yeah. Shout out to Jax and Turbo. Harry's getting big. Is that the snake? It's the snake. It's Jax's oh. snake. What's the rule with that? I mean, Jax, what are you going to do? Eventually, the thing's going to get too big. You can't just have it in the house. You got, you got, you got, you got a kid walking around. You know what happens when all of a sudden the kid disappears? Oh, that's a good question. His belly gets a little big. Uh, Jax knows he's a great, great fan and supporter of this this show. Become a friend to all of us. He, he knows my thing of the snake. I mean, no legs and it moves. It should definitely not be in the house with a pet. Snakes creep cool. me out too, but uh, I do like seeing pictures of Jack's snake. It's a very tropical-looking snake. I don't like insects with a bunch of legs, but I'll kill them in a second. I get like offended when I see them in my house. I'll stomp on them in a second uh, and clean them up, but no snake. All right, so MJF he's number twelve, as I said. I think uh, so. I believe if I have my if I was keeping score quick enough, MJF, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, and Dante Martin, all three at the moment. Uh, Team Taz, Taz on commentary, touting how Team Taz has three of the 12, so uh, odds in their favor. Uh, MJF, Wardlow, Hobbs, Starks, Dante Martin, Jay Lethal, Leo Rush, Lee Morardi, Matt Hardy, Matt Seidel, Lee Johnson, I think Frankie Kazarian. I think that's 12 if I had them right. Um, and so several things here. Uh, t- t- two big things to note of. A lot happened. This was like a this was kind of like an overbooked indie show, the way the finale of everything happened. They're trying to accomplish things here. So at one point, so and, and mind you, it's not, it's not a traditional battle royal where it's one winner. You're getting down to the final two. The final two then get to fight for the ring, uh, you know, the, 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 the dynamite ring next week. Uh, so at one point, Wardlow is getting ready to eliminate two people, and then MJF comes and dumps all three of them. The, those two other people, those two people that Wardlow is trying to eliminate, and Wardlow. So there's a story there. MJF eliminated his his muscle that's in there with him, who had been helping him, mind you. So again, we further. The, the, the tease of, of when, when is, when is Wardlow going to step out from the MJF shadow. So there's that to keep in mind. It then comes down to Dante Martin and Ricky Starks, both Team Taz, we think, versus MJF. These are the final three. Taz is going nuts. He's excited only for Dante Martin to immediately turn and eliminate Starks. Now, so that happens, and now the match is over. So Dante Martin and MJF are the winners. Taz is trying his best to, to sell it as... It's the swerve. It's what Alfred and I talked about last week. Of in fact, Dante Martin did not really leave Leo Rush for Team Taz. It was just a aha gotcha. Didn't think it was going to be aha gotcha just one week later, but nonetheless, here we are. So there's that story. There's MJF is one, but of course he's won by you know. So he, that's happened here. Uh, Taz is is going crazy. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden we have um, Punk. He comes running out. He he chases off MJF. You have Ricky Starks back in the ring. Uh, he's beating down Dante Martin. But then eventually MJF comes back out, and he helps Ricky Starks beat up Dante Martin. Just to solidify and remind you as a heel, holy hell. I don't, <laughs> that, it was like, squirrel, where? Where do I go? My head was on a swivel to try to keep track of what was going on here, Alfred. Uh, takeaways from all of this here. Uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of takeaways. One of them is that the booking of Jay Lethal has been egregious to me. I mean, one month in, the guy lost his debut match. It was a match where he did a good number with Sammy Guevara on TV, and then here, just kind of thrown in a battle royal, immediately thrown out. I think they got to do better for Jay Lethal here. Uh, I like the fact that they played on this Team Taz thing. I think a lot of people saw that this is where it was going in terms of Dante Martin, and it really worked out. I was thinking it was going to be like a spot here in the battle royal where they – 
you know, go against Team Taz, but it actually led to him winning. So good on Dante Martin. But yeah, you're right. There was a lot of stuff going on. I do like that they did hammer home the main points, one of them being Wardlow getting eliminated by MJF. When I saw them in the battle world together, you just knew it was going to go that direction. And I think they did something similar last year's Dynamite Diamond Battle World, where Wardlow was helping out MJF uh, and MJF kind of turned on him and either accidentally eliminated him or, or something like that. So they continue to really uh, take their time spelling this long-term breakup between MJF and Wardlow. And all that, you know, the heel turn that CM Punk had really kind of paid off when he resurfaced tonight because they booed the hell out of that guy when he came back. Uh, kind of, they got the point that CM Punk was supposed to be a heel. But at the same time, I will say this, it did kind of look, make the city of Long Island look like a bunch of chumps. That CM Punk kept saying, this is your guy, this is your guy. Uh, he's not a good guy, this and the other. And then CM Punk ended up being right. And these people look like jerks for cheering for MJF. That's what I mean. I don't I don't think Punk was prepared to have to do that much of a heel promo. I think he was out there. Again, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. So, again, and, and it was entertaining. So, I'm not, I do, I, I in no way, back to the Punk, punk promo, cl- classified as a bad promo. I just think he was a legit stun. So, he was just going with whatever he could. And, yeah, you're right. Him saying, so... You really want to cheer this guy? I think I'm waiting for like the punk fans to like convert the MJF loyalists, and it just didn't happen. You know, like you know, MJF's coming out with a local high school Letterman jacket. What do you I mean? What do you think's gonna happen? You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, this there was so much here. I mean, it's cool that like it's cool that again, Dante Martin's not with Team Taz, and he has you know, it was a, a gotcha. I don't know if it needed to be tonight. I also don't know if you did it that way. Why didn't Leo Rush also be, then be involved in the aha gotcha where like Dante it's Dante and Star you know Rush could be already be eliminated fine but now you have MJF looking across at Dante Martin and Ricky Starks why isn't it Starks turns and or excuse me Dante Martin turns and hits Starks and then there's Leo Rush you know pulling down the top rope you know to help facilitate the elimination I just felt like Leo Rush not being involved with it so was it just Dante Martin on his own did he did he did he trick Leo and you know like that that was a little weird again I think it was already enough going on with the mjf dynamics uh in this match and the warlord stuff uh but it also doesn't team taz is the most you know and, and taz is trying to cover it on comedy like we had like a contract and everything with this guy like <laughs> team taz is, the, is a terrible organization it's a terrible business it's a it's a bad llc because i mean they, they got nothing i mean you know brian cage is gone he didn't want to stick around i mean like they, they're a very they're a mess yeah, they need a business manager out there on Team Taz because they've you know been hosed a couple of times. Uh, you know, it sounds like you know, it sounds like Taz has got you know Paulie dangerously uh, handling <laughs> some of his affairs with with his talent. I don't know. Um, it's it's it, it's a big mess, and uh, but nonetheless, the the point you need to take away from it: MJF and Dante Martin, uh, they're going to fight next week. They're the two that win the battle royal. MJF eliminates Wardlow. Dante Martin is not with Team Taz. Huzzah! Uh, we all move on. So. We all move on. We all need to take care of our grooming situation. That's right. We also got to give a shout to Manscaped. That's right, Manscaped. They are not new to this podcast. They've been with us for quite some time, and uh, we always appreciate them. Manscaped.com. They are the perfect stocking stuffer. That's right. Manscaped's got tons of products here in this holiday season. Makes for a great stocking stuffer. Uh, they got all the tools, the guarantee that uh, you will win the stocking uh, stuffing competition. Uh, or if you're doing like the Secret Santa in the office, Manscaped's a great way to go with it. Is the they are the leaders in the below the waist grooming for men, and have served over four million men worldwide. Alpha and I, two of them right here, very good. So uh, four million, yeah, that's 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 a lot of balls. Uh, get twenty percent off. 
plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code WINC20. You see it there on the screen if you're watching. WINC20. Wink 20. 20% off plus free shipping. That's a great deal. Uh, ho, ho, ho. Naughty or nice list. Whichever one you want to classify it yourself as. Manscaped is what you need to be looking for in your package or in your. Um, and your gift buying. They also have the best-selling product. It's the uh, Performance Package 4.0, which is should be at the top of your wish list. Inside, you find the Lawnmower Body Trimmer. It is the best trimmer on the market for you it, uh, in terms of any kind of grooming. It's going to reduce the the nicks and and any blading you might uh, end up doing. You know, you don't want to be looking like uh, Ric Flair or anything anywhere on your body. Uh, in terms of Ric Flair, like a NWA 85 bloodbath, none of that's needed. You got the Weed Whacker Ear Nose Hair Trimmer, very important. You got the Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver. Uh, hygiene's important, fellas. We know that. Uh, and of course, you also have the the boxers. You have the travel bag. They have brand new products. They have the two in one uh, body wash. Uh, that's great stuff. There, it's got that wonderful manscape confidence uh, scent to it. Uh, the, the the clone body wash, the two in one shampoo and conditioner. Tons of great stuff. Again, if you're looking for a gift, whether it's whether you men are you looking for something for yourself, whether you're looking for a gift for another man, ladies, whether you're looking for a gift for your man. It, it's all applicable. It's all good, folks. It is a perfect stocking stuffer. Manscaped.com. They got plenty of things. You can go check them out. Manscaped.com. Look at all the wonderful products. And again, you get free shipping. So free shipping's key. Just make sure you order in time before the holidays here. Manscaped.com. Use the code WINC20. And we thank them very, very much for the sponsorship of the of that product. Again, Manscaped. I, I, Alfred, I know you've used them. I, I got the new products, the new um, body wash just came in. I love it. I mean, it's great because like it's whether, again, whether it's for your partner you know, your dad, your brother, your friend, this is a gift that they will enjoy and like, but they will also get a nice little laugh out of it, but they will enjoy it. It's, it's a great, it serves all the purposes. Yeah. You will be surprised at how often Manscaped will become part of your life, you know, upon receiving it because it is very important. It's very vital uh, to me in my dating life. But even if you're not active out there on the scene, even if you are married, you want to maintain for your significant other and Manscaped definitely helps you do that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, as a married guy, I can say it, it's okay to get comfortable, but don't get comfortable. <laughs> exactly. You still gotta care. <laughs> you know, you still gotta care. That's that's that's, that's my that's my, my my tips to to any of you who are who are curious or haven't got to that stage yet. All right, moving along here, uh, we got some eight man tag action here. Uh, Pillman and Garrison, the Varsity Blondes, alongside Jurassic Express, up against. The acclaimed and uh, 2.0. Uh, Max Castro, of course, wrapping his way to the ring, says that he's going to uh, run Jungle Boy out of town the same way Cuomo was run out of New York. Very timely reference. Always, Very. always stiff. I like how Taz calls these bars stiff. Stiff, yes. Uh, th- this was a this was a bit of a, <laughs> a crapshoot. Um, eight man tag. I use the word tag loosely. Um, that's going on. Eddie Kingston at one point he runs out and he, of course, he's been attacked by 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 two and 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 those guys. So he comes out to try to get a little revenge. Pillman also takes from I think it was I think it was Bow- uh, Bowens takes a brutal kick to the face. Yes. Uh, I don't. I'm surprised he didn't knock some teeth out. Brutal, brutal kick there. Uh, at the end of it, Jungle Boy does get Max Caster to tap. So Jungle Boy. Uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Express and, and Varsity Blondes, they get the win. Kingston then like is is like dragging the cameraman to the back. So I'm like, okay, did, like did he like beat his hands like somebody tied up back there? 
or something like that. But he just brings the cameraman just to the back where then Santana and Ortiz are just like trying to call him down as he like just is screaming at the camera. And then eventually 2.0 and everybody that just comes from their match and they just start to brawl. This was weird. Like if you wanted to brawl with them and fight with him, why did you just fight with him out there? Like why are you, why do you drag the camera back to this this random area just to rant and rave? This was I don't I don't I I, I thought like I was missing something to what they were I thought to do. I was I thought I was too. I thought they made some kind of mistake and that something else was supposed to happen. The way you know, I saw it just like you in terms of when he's dragging him there, I was expecting to see something, but I thought maybe he did his cue too early or he went to the wrong area. But this looks very weird in terms of what he was trying to accomplish with this cameraman. Yeah. And then Again, like I, I, I would have got it, I guess, if um, if he brings the cameraman back there, you know, he's back there with his with with Ortiz and Santana, and like if they had like some kind of trap, they had like a fourth person hiding behind something, you know, <laughs> waiting to, you know, to attack from behind once two point that. But that, that didn't it, 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 Kingston; those guys ended up on their ass. The segment ended with them getting beat up. Like, <laughs> I, I, this made no, no from this match all the way to that made no sense to me. This this was like probably my. My, my my fart of the two hours here. Yeah, well, I think my fart lasted a little longer because I think it went into the next match. Uh, as talented as the guys were the next match, and we're not going to talk about it like immediately, but I thought this was a bad stretch for AEW refereeing and that you saw the worst of it, which is constantly a, a bugaboo for a lot of people who criticize AEW is the officiating. And I felt like they just took these next two matches off in terms of tag team rules and tag team wrestling and everything that they allowed. I thought it was a much of a cluster. Yeah, like, look, I, I get it. I, I get that, like, when especially when comparing AEW and WWE, and those are the two companies that that's, that's most readily going to be compared to in the U.S., I get WWE uses way too many intricacies to get out of things. They book themselves in a corner, and so, you know, whether it's 50-50 booking of, of trading of wins and losses or overusing ref bumps or using DQs to get – like, I, I, I get it. So I, I understand wanting to not – rely on that too much i understand i get i mean i i do respect the fact that aew does not have a ref get bumped in every main event match okay that's cool that's fine uh, i like the fact that they don't they don't yeah dq to count out is not a regular i mean we saw two count outs on monday night raw so I, I mean like i can appreciate that that attempt but at the same time i would rather you just Tony Khan loves the original ECW, and it was, and it was just kind of known that every match was by ECW rules. There was no such thing as a DQ in ECW. That, that, that is not extreme. I would rather AEW just come out and say that we do every match is of an AEW rules, which maybe that maybe there is a count at applied, but there is no – I don't know. Just define it and just tell me and just go there, and I'll go, okay, and I'll just have to accept it. But when, you, when you're out there with referees and you're actually trying to – have the referee be distracted or or you're trying to have heels cheat and do things behind the ref's back when it's not really behind the ref's back i uh, like kingston came out that that's been a dq yeah like, it I looks like an absolute circus especially when the implication is that there's rules involved it, i mean it's like and the thing is i mean i again i know that the, i know that i know that the business has evolved and, and everything gets evolved i get that but like it's still the basic still applies. You need rules for heels to break so they can be heels and be the bad guys. So the bad guys can, like, but like it's, it doesn't even feel like they're breaking rules. It just, they just happen to be the ones that are smarter and more brazen to, 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 to be more dastardly 
and the baby faces just want to do things more the right way. Yeah, and that's but, never how it should come off uh, in terms of baby faces and heels. It's a very that's how it thing, is. But yeah, exactly, and that's that's what's wrong with it. And that it makes not only the referee, but it does make the baby faces look dumb. That the heels are able to circumvent all these quote unquote rules and and consistently get the better of the baby faces. Yeah, it's you know, yeah. I mean, I yeah, it's I don't know, but uh, that's how it's been. So I guess again, I, again, I would accept it more if they just came out and said. This is this is our rule, but they but they talk about that there is I mean there is such thing as a count out supposedly and there is uh, I don't know yeah so yeah and then it, it goes into this match you know uh, we get the Young Bucks versus uh, Chuck Taylor and Rocky Romero of course they're uh, New Japan they're part of uh, what that's called Chaos um, Adam Cole's out there Orange Cassidy's out there they have some uh, interaction uh, at one point Brandon Cutler he accidentally starts spraying the Bucks with the spray in the face several falsies here uh, the uh, Romero looking like he might actually get the pinfall victory. Bucks ultimately will win with the Meltzer driver. Uh, the big headline coming out of this segment is post-match, Alfred, is that uh, post-match we see the Bucks and, and, and Adam Cole, and they're, they're putting the boots. Uh, Yuta Wheeler comes out. They're still attacking him. And then all of a sudden, here comes Sue. That's right. Sue's driving the van to Long Island, and, and out the back of the van, Trent is back, and he is shredded. He is looking good uh, as he hits the ring. Uh, so the best friends all back together and united in full once again. Yeah, shredded his hair off too. Um, he might be a candidate for keeps uh, coming up because he's now bald. He doesn't have his hair anymore. Uh, but I really did like that rollout of Sue bringing him in there. And to your point about the last match, I was thinking of the exact same thing for this match in that if they would have called this a tornado tag team match, it would have had no problem with it. But I mean, these guys are in the ring at the same time and no orders being enforced. And it's not an AEWE thing. In its own promotion, FTR are sticklers for the tag team rules. And when you watch an FTR match, they're holding the tag rope and they're abiding by the tag team wrestling rules. So when you see that and then go and see a match like this, then it's fresh in your mind that they're really breaking a lot of these things. But uh, I did like the post-match scrum and uh, the best friends. I thought that was really cool to see them all back together. I gotta give a shout to the chat room of this one. Killer Style says <laughs> AEW referees would miss a whole arm bank robbery when they are strapped. They are in Long Island, so you know, on Long Island, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and and and, and uh, I actually think, I mean, again, that aside, I mean, uh, Aubrey Edwards, the, the female referee for AEW, I think she's aside from when she's being buried because of of the things that we just we just hashed on harped on otherwise on, on the other things that you can measure and watch of referee i think she's actually really good yeah. I, I i think she's probably the in my opinion at least for, for whatever it's worth i think she's the best ref they have and i also think it's cool that they kind of like you know wb used to be you knew the name of every wb referee you know i can remember the 90s okay it was earl hebner's was mike kyoto's jack Doan. it was you know i i could go through the whole, tim, tim white you could go through the whole list they, they were you know, and they, they've really moved away from that uh, to where they just call them the official. They don't even want to give them the name anymore. Um, I mean, I think it's cool that AEW at least will obviously acknowledge the name. I think it's cool that Aubrey Edwards, she gets to do the podcast, and she's kind of her own personality. And that, that that's fine. I don't have a problem with the refs having a bit of a personality and a name as long as they're still refing and, and, and officiating rules. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it's, 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 it's their identity, and the hardcore of their fan base seem to not care. So. Or whatever that's worth. <clears throat> we see Tony Schiavone. He's up on the stage with Sammy Guevara, your TNT champion. And they're talking about how it's been an open, uh, you know, op- obviously open challenge for him. I mean, it, ha- it has been, but I mean, Sammy really hasn't beat anybody of, you know, real great note uh, until maybe his next one. 
as he's immediately interrupted by Cody Rhodes. And Cody comes out and says, uh, he has a few little little drops, he says here. He goes, you know, from one good guy to another good guy as the fans are booing him. Um, talking about that, and Cody respects him, but he just got the okay for Tony Khan. And Cody and uh, Sammy Guevara are going to have a match for the TNT title. Uh, and then Cody, as he's leaving, only almost walks out the heel tunnel, but then turns around and remembers he came from the, the babyface tunnel. So a little... Little uh, things there, and then we're see Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. They're up in the crowd. They're of course Cody EVP kissing Tony's ass. He gets to just front of the line get a title match. You know what, what about us? And you know we had to we have to work to get title matches. And Dan Lambert he got us a title match. And Dan Lambert's coming back, says Ethan Page. Yes. So Dan Lambert's coming back. That's great news, huh? Um. So so we hear we hear that, and again them just uh, ripping on Sammy uh, Guevara as your TNT champion. So I uh, uh, Cody Rhodes, are you? First of all, I didn't expect to see Cody. I thought we see him last week. They end the show with him being burned. I kind of figured maybe it would give a, a week or two to sell that, but nope, he's out there, burn, burn marks and all, going for the TNT title. Yeah, I think he was out there to sell the burns. I think he wanted people to see all that nasty blisters and burns that he had on his arms. Uh, yeah, because in brutal. a couple of weeks he'll be gone. Yeah, it did look brutal. And it was very random to see Cody. And now he's back in this role of, I'm not necessarily a heel, but I am the elder statesman in this match who's going to be facing a young guy. Usually it was Darby Allen. And now it's uh, going to be Sammy Guevara. So I think this is actually a perfect pairing in terms of how I think each of them are going to be received. The AEW audience loves Sammy Guevara almost unanimously. And of course, Cody gets those really uh, split reactions a la John Cena. So I think this is going to be a good dynamic and the biggest win of Sammy Guevara's career. Yeah, it, it, assuming Sammy obviously retains his title, this this yeah. will be good. This will be the most notable win for him since, um, <clears throat> excuse me, since being the title holder. So okay with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, Cody... I guess to the point, you only have those. If you got burned, you have the scars and marks. You might as well get the most out of them while they're prominent. Um, but I was a little shocked to see him uh, this quick. But nonetheless, so we have that to look forward to coming up. We get some women's action. We have Jamie Hader, who's out there with uh, Britt Baker uh, and uh, Rebel. Uh, she's going up against Rio. Uh, this this match, very competitive. Um, uh, Hader saves Rio's life. She jumps from the top rope and almost completely missed her. Uh, luckily, Jamie caught her when they transitioned to that. Um, we end up seeing a crucifix from the top rope, which the way Hater landed was scary. Uh, and then, uh, and then a quick knee after that. Uh, Rio gets the win, and, and and then Britt's attacking her after the fact. All while that's happening, Britt's doing that, and she put the lockjaw. Hater just kind of has rolled off to the side and looks like she, she's either doing a great sell job. Or I mean, like she looked like she like she, the way, and I was like just screaming. And Aubrey Edwards is trying to obviously pay attention to the Brit, you know, post match shenanigans and sneak attack, trying to get her off her. I'm like, will somebody go check on Jamie Hader? I think she needs to be checked on. Somebody, please, Doc Sampson, can somebody get up and come check on her? So hopefully she's okay. But if you go back, if you're looking for things to to check out on the show, if you want your uh, if you want your wince moment, uh, this this crucifix that that they do and, and the way Hader lands scary and i can't i, I don't it's not a, not a not a move or sequence you see often 
off the top rope. So this this was scary, but this was a very, very competitive match, Alfred. Yeah, and I, I'll have to go back and check that out because, yeah, I didn't miss that. But I, I thought this was excellent. And Jamie Hayter, like I always kind of assume, oh, she's just kind of green and she's still pretty new and whatnot. But as the level of her competition has gotten better in terms of experienced workers, she's had some pretty fantastic matches. Uh, I love the match she had against Thunder Rosa. I love this match against Rio. Although I did think it did kind of go a little long in terms of the near falls they were doing to where by the time they got there, it was a little underwhelming, but I thought this was a great match. I thought this was fantastic uh, in terms of how they worked this. But, um, yeah, very interesting to see. Um, hopefully, J.B. Hayter is okay. Uh, they did promote some uh, women's action next week that we're going to see uh, in Serena D versus uh, Karo Shida. And, of course, they showed a little video package of the history those two women have been having. So, uh, Serena D, kind of like Thunder Rosa, just never never bad match, I don't think, yeah. when you when you see it, which is always fun. So, Taz has been on commentary on I Jim Ross, of course. Uh, off uh, off handling uh, his health. So Taz is on the three-man booth tonight, and Taz has been kind of teasing, and even on Twitter, he had an announcement, has an announcement. Well, it gives us the announcement. That is that this Friday, they're actually taping it as we speak right now, but you'll be able to see it this Friday on Rampage. It is the in-ring debut of Hook, the secret weapon, as he calls him. Hook, of course, is Taz's uh, real-life son, uh, Tyler. Uh, Hook is going to make his in-ring debut against uh, Fuego Del Sol, uh, and Taz says... You know, tune in Friday, see Hook. This kid is all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> is that the payoff to why he's been carrying around chips all this time? I don't know. May- that would actually be kind of clever. <laughs> but I'm hearing this. And I'm like, here's 22-year-old Hook. And I can just picture him standing in the back watching a monitor going, oh, dad. <laughs> <laughs> My son is swell, everybody. <laughs> That's great. I will say this, though. There's something with Hook, and I'm very, very interested to see this debut. I think they've really built up Hook as a cult of personality. Maybe not so much on camera, but the way Twitter reacts to this guy, the second this was announced, he, he amassed where he was trending on Twitter 38.3 thousand tweets about Hook's debut. So I think he saves AEW Rampage. AEW Rampage goes over a million views for the first time because of Hook. You heard it here first. Ooh. I don't think that's going to happen. But, <laughs> but, you know, I'm very interested to see how Hook kind of connects with this audience. About to see that. Uh... Uh, it won't happen. It will not that, be million. <laughs> about to say that 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 calls almost as as bold as your sweater there, Alfred. That's a, <laughs> that's a loud call. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it, it, I look. Uh, Hook has been training for uh, a little bit. I think he's been training with. I think Cody has been training him. Yeah, uh, so he's been training. I mean, he he. I think he's twenty one, twenty two years old. Um. You know, I, again, being trained by Cody, your dad's Taz, I don't think they would throw him out there. I mean, granted, again, it's a tape show, which is wise. It's a, you know, it's better than a live show for a debut. But, um, you know, I don't think they put him out of there. If they didn't think that he was ready. And 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 so, you know, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll, I'll be excited for him and see what he does. Um, and what I like knows, is I mean, they're not dressing him up like his dad. He's got like, well, yeah. this is what he wrestles in. He's got this like boxing gear, and I think it looks badass. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, he 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 bears no, you know, physical resemblance to it. It's not, it's not, it's not like a Braun Breaker situation or a Brian Pillman Jr. I mean, he he, he doesn't look like a, he's not built like his dad. I mean, he so yeah, I'm glad he's not trying to wear an orange and black singlet and um, you know, whatever. So uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. So that's that's Friday night on Rampage. If uh, if you want to see the debut of Hook, who is all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mentioned Pillman Jr. He's back out there with Griff Garrison and Julia Hart. Uh, they're getting ready to be interviewed again. T- T- Tony Schiavone. 
looks like uh, we've lost Justin the bar for the time being, but I'm sure he's going to be back. Uh, remember to get a subscription and keeps, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he's talking about Tony Schiavone, and uh, we are going to be right back as soon as Justin LeBar here. He's connected, and the one and only Justin LeBar is on his way back. And there I go. Hi, Justin. Now we're there. Yeah, we're good. We're good? Yeah, we're good. That was weird. I was like in the middle of talk, and all of a sudden my screen just went like I just, I just got kicked out. <laughs> Took you away from me. I was so weird. Cold and lonely in this world for a second. All right. It's like a like it's like technical difficulties. Just, just did a run in. Of course they did it. The the referee didn't see it. You know, <laughs> roll with the with the very well timed. Justin got hooked. Yes, I did. As we were talking about hook, I did. All right. Uh, well, back to what I was saying. What the last thing I was saying before uh, interference. Uh, Varsity Blondes out there with Julia Hart and Tony Schiavone just couldn't get his interviews in. He just the man couldn't do his journalistic work of the night without being interrupted because uh, immediately lights go out, lights come back on. And Malachi Black is there, and he spits the mist into Julia Hart's face, and then he disappears again into the blackness. Uh, Julia Hart's selling this great. I mean, she's she's selling it and screaming tortured and whatever. And uh, so I so I did not have this pegged. I did not think that this would be the next thing that Malachi Black is doing. But he's uh, him versus one or all of the of the Varsity Blondes, or has a problem with Julia Hart. I don't know. Yeah, all due respect to the Varsity Blondes, because I do see future in both of them, but it does feel like kind of a step down from Malachi Black, who felt like the hottest guy in the business at his peak, really. Like with that hot entrance he has, beating Cody Rhodes as quickly and dominantly as he did. Uh, but uh, I'm sure this is going to be another win for him, and this is also good for the Varsity Blondes to work with somebody of the stature of Malachi Black. Yeah, I mean, because it, you know, it felt like a big deal. Pillman, you know, joined AEW, had some momentum there. And they did this, they did this tag team, and yeah, then it kind of felt like he just he'd been kind of like, where's he been in the last uh, several weeks and months? Um, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of, and this is another thing too. I, I just haven't had a chance to bring it up because they really haven't been on dynamite or anything. But um, I, I don't love, you know, he, he, obviously the Varsity Blondes playing off the the famous Hollywood Blondes that his dad and Steve Austin was in were, were in, in in the '90s. I I just feel like that's I feel like if you're gonna do that, like hold that one. Keep that paying homage to your dad's tag team. Keep that one in the holster for a little bit. I, like I feel like just doing it this early in your career, and and no disrespect to to, to Garrison, but like I don't know. I just I feel like this should have been saved for like Pillman if he like to team up with another more well known blonde. Hair. I don't know that. I just I I just look at this tonight. I'm looking at them. I'm like ah, I don't know. I just this feels like out of place or feels ill timed or what have you. But nonetheless. It's, it is what it is. I'm buddy. Yeah, I'm happy to see they're going to work with somebody who's got a lot of momentum in Malachi Black. And that's a good point. It also kind of shoehorns you. That's the reason I'm happy that Hook is going to be in his own gear and is being established as his own guy because you don't want coming out of the gate to be the guy whose dad is this guy. That's always going to be the elephant in the room and a very important part of his legacy. But I do agree it would be much more beneficial if Brian Pillian Ju- Billman Jr. was able to become his own guy before paying homage because then you can get much more out of it. Yeah, like he could never do the. Var- I, mean, I mean, I guess he could, but it'd, it'd be weird. He can. He can't do the Varsity Blondes again. Or I mean, I guess he could always do the Hollywood. Like if he got Uncle Steve's blessing, he could do the Hollywood Blondes. If if right. if, if it ever got to that point, I don't know. It was something that was crossing my mind. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about this, and um, just now seeing them gave me an opportunity to bring it up. Uh, Hojo to go, Belinsky, five dollars. Damn, thought it was Packard. Talk time with Alfred has Black fallen to few with blondes. I don't yeah, think I was, a, I was getting I ready to break down Packers Bears. <laughs> that was going to be the filler. That was going to be the filler. <laughs> yeah. 
You're going to do an entire Packers versus Bears pregame? Yeah, we're going to go through the whole lineup, both starting lineups, who's got the edge in defense. <laughs> I don't think Black – I don't think I don't look at it so much as Black fallen. I, I just look at it as like – I mean, he's got – I mean, he's, I just look at it as him trying to, again, maybe, maybe elevate. I mean, it, dep- it just depends on what this feud's all about. Like, what's the pr- – what is his – What's his explanation of why he came out and spit in the face of Julia Hart? What is his issue there? So yeah, I like that because this is completely random for you know Malachi to come out in this segment. Yeah, I mean, had Zelina Vega not resigned with WWE, I thought, oh, maybe we're setting something up for some mixed tag action. But she's obviously back, and she's Queen Zelina, so she's not going anywhere. So we'll see. All right, main event time: Brian Danielson up against another Long Island, another New Yorker, and uh, John Silver from the Dark Order. Uh, obviously, audience very much behind Silver. Yeah, this is very fun to watch because, like, I mean, Brian Danison, who is again, he came still came out of the babyface tunnel. The the whole premise of the the start of this few Hangman Page was kind of him being a babyface, but like, but he's been you know doing these heelish antics and kicking the heads in everybody. Uh, so to see him against an organic underdog, undersized guy like a John Silver, the role that Brian himself became famous most famous in very cool to see and he knew that he was going to give john silver uh plenty of uh plenty of love plenty of shine in this match which he does ultimately though uh brian does knock silver out with some elbows before putting him in a submission which obviously was a moot point because uh silver's already out again silver much like i said with jamie Hayter, maybe a really good seller but also looked like he was a little bit woozy he gets knocked out but the match is over brian grabs the mic runs down the list of the promises he's been making the last few weeks of heads he had kicked in and realizes, oh, he didn't actually kick Silver's head. And again, he uses elbows. So now he goes to start kicking those, uh, to start giving those lethal kicks. And again, I note about how Silver, the way he was selling, but also Brian was being very ginger on his kicks, which are normally pretty stiff looking. He was being very ginger on how he was kicking Silver, which he didn't have to do much of because he's waiting for the cue of Hangman Page to come out and, and, and chase him off, which Hangman does. But the camera did catch the first one or two kicks to Silver. And Brian did not really want to give him much of a kick, so I think I think there was a, a a realization that Silver did need to get out of physicality. He needed a minute to uh, be checked on. So hopefully, again, John Silver's okay. But Adam Page would chase away uh, Brian Danielson, and of course, Cowboy would say next week uh, he's going to kick the uh, he's going to kick the Cowboy shit out of Brian Danielson. So that is going to be your big main event match next week for the world title, and uh, a, a very unpredictable offer because I don't. Um, you know, to do a little winter's coming pre-show here for a minute. Uh, I, I don't know. Who, I, I think there's a f- flip of a coin of who could win that between really? Paige or Brian Anderson. Yeah. Because I just see it because it's Paige's first title defense. This is their babyface champion. Title reigns last very long in AEW. Uh, according to the small sample size that we do have, they've all been over like 150 days, I believe. Uh, so I would actually be pretty surprised if Hangman Adam Page lost. But, yeah, I guess I could see them going with Brian Danielson here as champion. It's just it would be really tough for a guy in his first title reign because I think as much as he's over, I don't think Adam Hangman Page has been really established and entrenched as one of those top guys. I think there's still something to prove. And if he lost his first world title match, I think that really hurt him. Well, I said flip of a coin, so maybe maybe not as 50-50 as a flip of a coin. But <clears throat> I I, 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 you can never rule out Brian. This is Brian Danielson's first. You can't rule out. I, I don't. Know, I just can't rule him out in a world title situation. Um, so I, I guess that's what kind of intrigues me. Or, or maybe, maybe, the, maybe the to articulate my intrigue better. How did? How does the finish happen? You know, because yeah. you know, Brian hasn't been there for too terribly long, and you know, like is Page. If Page wins, is Page just going to flat out beat him one, two, three? Um, 
does a Punk or an MJF make their presence felt for some reason because they both potentially want to be next in line? Does a Kenny Omega resurface and that's what costs an Omega or costs a Hangman? I don't know. Like um, that's what I'm really trying to wrap my head around. I was like, oh, how are they going to book this? Which is great. I love not having. I love having this much. Um, this much intrigue. I, I'll, I'll be really interested to see what route they decide to go. Because you're right, it is his first title defense. But um, but again, it's Brian Danielson, so we can't can't count him out at ever. Yeah, I do like that dynamic of a final four. That now you have Punk and MJF is kind of like a semifinal match for the world championship. So you know maybe Punk wins and Brian wins, and we get Punk Brian. That'd be one way to that. Uh, or you know MJF and uh, Hangman Adam Page. I could see. I could see all kinds of combinations coming out of that. Well, let's be clear. Next week, winner's coming. MJF is going to fight Dante Martin. Uh, that's right. next week. So we don't have MJF. For, we don't know when we're going to get MJF and Punk still. Right. So that's kind of you know, and you know, they announced um, early March is going to be they're going to be a pay per view in Orlando. It's going to be an entire week out of that. So I don't know if that's the next pay per view. Revolution, I believe it's the next one. Is that the last? All right. So yeah. So unless they hold Punk and MJF till then, or unless they have another big, um, you know. TNT. Well, I guess there will be a TBS come the new year, so maybe, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's that's how they kick off Dynamite on TBS. Is maybe as MJF and Punk as the main event, uh, in, in in January. Maybe that's that's where we're we're heading here because you obviously need to you want to make a big splash, moving over to TBS. Um, so we'll have to see here. But yeah, uh, a lot of dynamics, a lot of things to watch for. But overall, a, a fun Dynamite. Again, we noted there was a little bit of it, a little bit of a dip there with the Kingston stuff and the referee and what have you. But ultimately, they started hot, ended hot. So that's uh, definitely what you want to do uh, overall final thoughts uh, uh exiting tonight's dynamite and going into next week's winners coming yeah a lot of this uh i didn't have a problem with this show but largely it felt like the calm before the storm uh, i thought this first segment definitely was something unique and it really started off pretty hot but for the most part i felt like uh this was a paint by the numbers show and then next week i do think that they're gonna rebound ratings wise for the big winter's coming show because they've really been promoting it uh, last year, we saw a title change on Winter is Coming. We saw Sting on Winter is Coming. I think they've built some goodwill into this uh, made-for-TV show, if you will. And uh, I think uh, I don't think the number is going to be – I think they're going to stay in that 800,000 range for this show. But the next uh, week, I think they're going to do much better. Yeah, yeah, great point about Sting. That's right. This last year. So who knows? I mean, there's uh, plenty of WWE free agents out there. Who knows who might pop up uh, next week with Winter is Coming. And then again, as they move to TBS, they're going to have some uh, need and want to make some big headlines. So – We'll wait and see. Uh, of course, we'll wait and see. But whatever it is, we'll be here uh, for tonight as we are uh, every single Wednesday for you after Dynamite. Again, love all the comments. Love uh, all the comments. To share, like, do everything you can do. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Follow him at This Is Nasty. Alfred, what do you got going on at Forbes.com this week? Got a great, very fun interview with Jonah, formerly known as Bronson Reed, just hours after he was announced as the first entrant in PWG's Battle of Los Angeles. So we talked about that. He's a big film guy, so we talked about what he thinks about Darby Allen's vignettes, mm-hmm. uh, talked about who he thinks from a filmmaker standpoint should start their own promotion. I think you'd be very surprised at who he chose, but we had a, a very fun conversation. So check that out on Forbes. It's also on Pro Wrestling Bit on YouTube. Nice. That's a nice tease. Interesting topics there. All right. So that's Alfred uh, at This Is Nasty uh, doing all the stuff over at Forbes.com. Uh, I'm at Justin LaVar. Of course, you can next uh, hear me Friday morning on Busted Open Radio with Dave LaGreca and Mark Henry. And, of course, also I'm on every Monday night, uh, usually with Jack Farmer and Raj Geary after Monday Night Raw. So plenty of chances to uh, hear me flap the gums about the pro wrestling that is going on. Uh, again, we thank everybody for all the support. Alfred and I will be back next Wednesday for the post-show of winners coming. I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about. Looking forward to it. Have a good one. Make sure you tweet us. Let us know how you listen, how you're watching. We want to hear you. Have a good night.
Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.